Welcome to Nationwide Market Insights for August 18th, 2022. Rising inflation, aggressive Federal Reserve rate hikes, and back-to-back quarterly declines in the real gross domestic product have given rise to fears that the U.S. economy could soon enter into its first recession since the outset of the pandemic in 2020. This is Brian Kirk, and with me today to discuss all things recession in part one of our two-part series are Brian Jordan, Deputy Chief Economist, and Ben Ayers, Senior Economist. Brian, can you tell us what exactly is a recession? So as the name implies, a recession is a decline in economic activity. It is an inherent and inevitable part of the business cycle. During the business cycle, we have expansions, periods of economic growth, and we have recessions, periods of economic decline. It's important to stress, though, that not every decline in every indicator qualifies as a recession. To be considered a recession, a downturn has to meet three overarching criteria, depth, duration, and dispersion, the three Ds. It has to be steep enough, it has to be long enough, and it has to be widespread enough. Again, not just in any one or two indicators, but across several indicators representing a broad portion of the economy. So, Brian, I know on the news and other things we hear about, we hear that a recession is defined by two consecutive declines in real GDP. Is that not the case? So it's not the case technically. The NBER, which is the official quasi-official authority on the business cycle and dating recessions, does consider GDP. And two consecutive declines in real GDP is a fairly good rule of thumb for determining a recession, but it's not definitive. And in fact, the NBER prefers looking at six monthly economic indicators to determine turning points in the business cycle, non-farm payrolls, household survey employment, industrial production, real consumer spending, real manufacturing and trade sales, and real personal income, excluding transfer payments like Social Security or stimulus checks. So GDP is important. It's far from the most important, though. So you just mentioned the NBER. Can you tell us more about that? What is NBER and how does it actually determine when the economy goes into a recession? So the NBER is the National Bureau of Economic Research. It is a nonprofit research organization based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And again, it's the quasi-official arbiter authority on the business cycle. When we say that the economy went into recession in early 2001 and came out of recession in late 2001, for example, it's because the NBER said that the economy went into recession in March of 2001 and exited the recession in November of 2001. And again, the MBER looks primarily at these six monthly indicators covering the manufacturing sector, consumer spending, the labor market, and looks at for declines in those in those indicators to determine when the economy enters an outright downturn. It's not an easy process, and it's not always a clear-cut process. Uh, the recession of two years ago is a, a prime example. The NBER said that we went into recession and. February of 2020, 
that the recession ended in April of 2020, so a two-month recession. And that means that it didn't meet, this downturn didn't meet one of those 3D criteria. It had the depth, it was a very deep downturn in early 2020. It had the dispersion, it was a very widespread downturn in 2020, but it didn't have the duration. It only lasted for two months. The NBER acknowledged it as much, but said that the downturn was steep enough and widespread enough that they were willing to overlook that measure, that 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 requirement. Uh, similarly, back in the early 1980s, we famously had a double dip recession, uh, a recession in 1980, a brief recession in 1980. And then the NBER determined that that recession ended in the middle of that year, and we had an expansion for one year. And then a second recession beginning in mid-1981 that lasted through the end of 1982. Some economists felt that should have been considered one long recession from early 1980 to late 1982. The NBER felt differently. So sometimes these decisions are, are controversial, and there is some art to it as well as the science. Yeah, it sounds like it. Thanks for establishing what a recession is and talking about the one we just had in 2020. Let me go ahead and pull in Ben now in this uh, discussion. Ben, from a historical record, how often does the economy fall into a recession? And Brian talked about the last one was back in 2020. But how often does it happen? Sure. I think the, uh, you know, the first point here that most people recognize is that expansions are much longer than recessions. So generally, the economy is in a period of growth. Um, if you go back to, we have data for this way back, but if you just restrict it to the data that we have back to World War II, the average length of an expansion has been about 65 months or, or about five and a half years. So that would imply that maybe about every you know half decade, the, the U.S. economy would slip into a recession. But I, I think this does mask that expansions have been getting longer in recent decades. The, the last four expansions, which stretched back to the early 1980s, has averaged more than eight and a half years. And so we've gone almost nearly decades in between the recessionary periods. Uh, and this really coincides with the regime change that the Fed put through in the early 1980s with a, a focus not just on the labor market, but also on in controlling inflation. And really until obviously very recent times, we've had inflation within a pretty narrow band over the past 40 years, and that's allowed these expansions to grow longer. We haven't had to have as much response, policy response from the Fed to try to slow down the economy, create a little bit less volatility, and it's enabled these expansions to grow longer. So typically the answer would be, you know, five, five and a half years, but I think especially in recent times, it's been much longer than that. Wow. I didn't know that. So when they do happen, though, how bad are these periods? and How long do they last? And can you also tell us more about, like, how much does the economy typically contract during a recession? Sure. Yeah, typically most recessions aren't that severe and really don't last very long. There's the, I think in the current environment, there's very much a recency bias based upon the very large declines and the huge shocks that happened with the great financial crisis in 2008 and 2009. And obviously the COVID-19 recession that we had just a little over two years ago in 2020. Those are really one in 50, one in 100 year events, and they happen back to back, and it's really kind of biased the opinion on how deep a recession typically is. Again, going back to data since World War II, the average recession only lasts about 10 months. Now, certainly there are periods where there have been longer recessions. The, the great financial crisis comes to mind. That was a year and a half long. 
Uh, and if you go much farther back, back to the, the Great Depression, um, that first part of that depressionary period was almost four years long. But these tend to be pretty rare. Usually the average length of recession is less than a year. Uh, and more often than not, the contraction in the U.S. economy is not very severe as well. Usually you see real GDP decline by about 2% or so. Um, you know, the average drops during the last two cycles really distort the average movements that we've seen. You know, you think about the huge decline in GDP that we got in 2020 and obviously a much longer and much uh, deeper decline than we had in two, the 2008, 2009. Um, but typically the economy sees a pretty modest contraction, you know, just going back to 2001. Um, we didn't even have a negative year-over-year -year movement in GDP around the 2001 recession. And even going back to 1990, that again was a pretty modest recession overall. Um, you know, when you look at some of the areas within the economy that tend to be more sensitive, there's usually business side things, housing uh, and trade, which are heavily dependent on interest rates and continued spending by households. And as many households cut back, those sectors do tend to struggle. And in particular, when you look at consumer spending, which is the lion's share of U.S. economic growth, typically you see spending reduction more on goods than on services. So that's kind of how you see that breakdown. Um, but again, usually pretty modest uh, and usually only dead about 2% overall for real GDP. As we record this podcast here in August, we can look back not too long ago that the most recent jobs report we got was pretty good. But during a recession, how many jobs are typically lost? And what happens to unemployment rate during a recession? Well, obviously, as businesses cut back during downturns, layoffs are pretty much inevitable during a recession. But again, the, since the average recession isn't very long and the average recession isn't very deep, Typically, employment only drops by about 2% when you think about non-farm total payroll employment. I mean, in today's labor market, you know, with about 150 million workers out there, that translates into about 3 million jobs that would be potentially lost in and around a recession. Maybe a little bit more than that, a little bit less than that, but right about 3 million jobs. Uh, again, I think the, the job losses from the Great Recession and the COVID-19 recession really dwarf that long-term trend and kind of bias people's thoughts to the upside. We lost 20 million jobs um, in March of 2020 alone. And you know, yet again, the average would be more like two to three, and now we're seeing 20 million lost in one month. Uh, and so again, a lot of that depends on the recovery period as well. When you think about the very the jobless recovery that we had after the great financial crisis really makes the impact of that downturn be felt much more deeply and much more longly um, than typically is. Typically, you would see some sizable job declines, particularly in some sectors, but then you'd see a bounce back. And within only a couple of years, you'd be getting back to fully recovering the job front and we get back to more of a, a normal trend for job growth in the, in, the, or in the middle stages of an expansion. Correspondingly, the unemployment rate usually does spike during recessions. Pre-recessionary periods, you might see the unemployment rate about, you know, three and a half to four and a half percent. And you'd see that rise a few percentage points over the course of the recession and probably peak towards the end of a recessionary period, about the six to seven, eight percent range. Again, during great financial crisis, we went to double digits. Um, at one point during the COVID-19 downturn, we had unemployment rate above 20 percent. Um, and so, you know, still those periods really kind of stick out. But in the long term, usually you see just a modest increase and in cutback in, in overall hiring and a modest increase in the unemployment rate as well. Well, thanks, Ben. I know that the you know we just mentioned the jobs report was really good, but I think on the other side of the spectrum, you know, inflation is still a topic that people are really concerned about right now. And you know, when it comes to that, we made the point on previous podcasts that inflation is a lagging indicator. So, how do prices react to the downturn in the economy? Sure. You know, you 
recessions always tend to be very deflationary. Um, you think about what happens during a downturn. People, some people lose their jobs. Um, many people, maybe if they don't lose their jobs, their their income growth does cut because the businesses have to cut back. And so typically that results in reduced demand for goods and services and results in price growth slowing. Uh, typically we don't see periods of outright deflation, although we did see that in response to the great financial crisis. But you would see, say, something like the year-over-year change in the CPI slow. Um, it would hit a peak just as the recession was starting. So maybe in some cycles we've seen it peak about 3%, 4% just ahead of a downturn. And we might see that drop over the course of the recession, get down to a year-over-year change in the CPI of maybe about 1% to 1.5%. So not really outright deflation usually, but typically you do see inflation slow. Um, that's a result of, like I said, people cutting back, but also just much less demand for oil, much less demand for goods and services across the economy. And you see that inflationary trend certainly slow. Core inflation acts very similarly, tends to be a little less volatile uh, than overall inflation, but you also see that slowdown and see core inflation get below the long-term trend of about 2%, coming about half that, maybe down to 1% or so. Um, eventually, things pick up in the early middle stages of the next expansion, but certainly in result of what's going on during the recession, you will see those inflationary trends slow and certainly go below trend of what we usually see. Now, thanks, Ben. Let's bring Brian back in now in this discussion. You know, we just talked about inflation a little bit. We know that the Fed has had a great focus on trying to slow down the rise of inflation recently. So in light of these trends we're talking about with this, what does the Fed typically do during a recession? So it's it's a very pertinent question given some of the recent Fed commentary. There have been a few Fed officials who have hinted, more than hinted recently, that even if the economy were to fall in recession, they would favor continuing to raise interest rates if inflation remained high for a time. That would be a real break in, from history if we were to see the Fed move in that direction, however. Since the Fed came into existence in 1913, we've had 19 recessions. In 16 of those 19 recessions, the Fed cut its benchmark short-term interest rate. And the other three, one in, in the 19-teens during World War I and two in the 1940s, the Fed left its benchmark interest rate unchanged. On average, across all 19 cases, the Fed cut its benchmark rate by 1.9 percentage points. And the Fed has been much more aggressive in recessions in recent history. In the last 50 years, the Fed has cut its benchmark interest rate by 3.5 percentage points on, on average. So it would be a rare occurrence for the economy to enter a recession without a Fed easing response uh, in, in terms of monetary policy. So, Brian, given this backdrop you're talking about here, how have the financial markets performed during recessions? So, on average, long-term interest rates have fallen during recessions. Credit spreads have widened, and stock prices have moved lower, although perhaps not as much lower as many might suspect. If we look at the S&P 500 historically, for example, going back to the beginnings of the S&P 500 in the 1920s, we've had 15 recessions in that time frame. Across those 15 recessions, the S&P has averaged a decline of 6.4%, so a drop, but not an especially large drop. And if we look within those recessions, we see a very clear pattern. 
The stock market itself is a leading indicator. Stocks tend to fall before we fall into into a recession. Uh, we can just go back a couple of cycles. Um, in October of 2007, the S&P 500 started to decline. The economy went into recession in December of 2007. In the downturn before that, the S&P 500 started to fall in March of 2000. The, the economy fell into recession one year later in March of, of 2001. So we tend to see declines in, in the equity market before recessions. Within recessions, those declines continue for a time. If we break down recessions into three phases, the beginning, the middle, and the end, equal phases of these downturns, we see that historically the S&P has fallen by an annualized average of 16.2% in the first phase, the first third of recessions. It's fallen by 8% in the second phase, the middle third of recessions. But then in the third phase, the final phase, the end phase of recessions, the S&P has risen on average by an annualized 37.2%. So we see decent sized declines in the beginning, beginnings and middle of recessions. We see very big, robust increases at the end of recessions. Thanks, Brian. You know, this might be a good point to wrap it up here for this discussion on this episode. And to our audience, please join us again next time as we discuss the current economic backdrop. And we're going to examine the likelihood that we are now or will soon be in a recession. So make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you can be notified as soon as we release our next podcast. Brian and Ben, thank you for your perspectives today. And thank you to our audience for listening. Until next time, this is Brian Kirk with Nationwide Market Insights. Provided by Nationwide Economics is general in nature and not intended as investment or economic advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any security or adopt any investment strategy. Additionally, it does not take into account any specific investment objectives, tax, or financial condition, or particular needs of any specific person. The economic and market forecasts reflect our opinion as of the date of this report and are subject to change without notice. These forecasts show a broad range of possible outcomes. Because they are subject to high levels of uncertainty, they will not reflect actual performance. We obtain certain information from sources deemed reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or fairness. Nationwide and the Nationwide N and Eagle are service marks of the Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company. Copyright 2022. Nationwide.